This year, Peloton is gifting you their best offer of the season. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Shop from a variety of accessories such as cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, and more. Whether you have 10 minutes to spare for a strength class or 30 minutes for a running or cycling class, there's a workout that works for you with music that is truly iconic. So don't miss out on Peloton's best offer of the season. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. My name is Rivka, and together with Wikipedia, I'll help you fall asleep. Get cozy and relax. I'll read out loud to you. Today, Victorian Burlesque, the rise and the fall of the theatrical parody. Victorian Burlesque, sometimes known as travesty or extravaganza, is a genre of theatrical entertainment that was popular in Victorian England and in the New York theater of the mid-19th century. It is a form of parody in which a well-known opera or piece of classical theater or ballet is adapted into a broad comic play, usually a musical play, usually risque in style. Mocking the theatrical and musical conventions and style of the original work, and often quoting or pastiching music or text from the original work. Victorian burlesque is one of several forms of burlesque. Like ballad opera, burlesques feature musical scores drawing on a wide range of music, from popular contemporary songs to operatic arias although later burlesques from the 1880s sometimes featured original scores. Dance played an important part, and great attention was paid to the staging, costumes, and other spectacular elements of stagecraft, as many of the pieces were staged as extravaganzas. Many of the male roles were played by actresses as breeches roles, to show off women's legs in tights, and some of the older female roles were taken by male actors. Originally short, one-act pieces, burlesques were later full-length shows occupying most or all of an evening's program. History Burlesque theater became popular around the beginning of the Victorian era. The word burlesque is derived from the Italian burla, which means ridicule or mockery. According to the Grove Dictionary of Music and Musicians, Victorian burlesque was, quote, related to and in part derived from pantomime and may be considered an extension of the introductory section of pantomime, with the addition of gags and turns. End quote. Another antecedent was ballad opera, in which new words were fitted to existing tunes. Madame Vestris produced burlesques at the Olympic Theater beginning in 1831 
with Olympic Revels by J.R. Planchet. In these pieces, comedy stemmed from the incongruity and absurdity of the grand classical subjects, with realistic historical dress and settings being juxtaposed with the everyday modern activities portrayed by the actors. For example, Olympic Revels opens with the god of Olympus in classical Greek dress playing whist. In the early burlesques, the words of the songs were written to popular music as had been done earlier in the Beggar's Opera. Later in the Victorian era, burlesque mixed operetta, music hall, and revue, and some of the large-scale burlesque spectacles were known as extravaganzas. The English style of burlesque was successfully launched in New York in the 1840s by the manager and comedian William Mitchell, who had opened his Olympic theater in December 1839. Like the London prototypes, his burlesques included characters with nonsensical names such as Once Upon a Time and The King of Nevermind It's Namia, and made fun of all kinds of music currently being presented in the city. Unlike pantomime, which aimed at all ages and classes, burlesque was aimed at a narrower, highly literate audience. Some writers, such as the Braff brothers, aimed at a conservative middle-class audience, and H.J. Byron's success was attributed to his skill in appealing to the lower middle classes. Some of the most frequent subjects for burlesque were the plays of Shakespeare and grand opera. From the 1850s onward, burlesquing of Italian, French, and later in the century, German opera was popular with London audiences. Verdi's Il Trovatore and La Traviata received their British premieres in 1855 and 1856, respectively. British burlesques of them followed quickly. In a 2003 study of the subject, Roberta Montemora Marvin noted, By the 1880s, almost every truly popular opera had become the subject of a burlesque. Generally appearing after an opera's premiere, or following a successful revival, they usually enjoyed local production runs, often for a month or longer. The popularity of stage burlesque in general, and operatic burlesque in particular, seems to have stemmed from the many ways in which it entertained a diverse group, and the manner in which it fed and fed on the circus-like or carnivalesque atmosphere of public Victorian London. W.S. Gilbert wrote five opera burlesques early in his career, beginning with Dulgamara, or The Little Duck and the Great Quack, the most successful of which was Robert the Devil. In the 1870s, Lydia Thompson's burlesque troupe, with Willie Edwin, became famous for their burlesques by such authors as H.B. Farney and Robert Rees, both in Britain and the U.S. 
The Shakespeare scholar Stanley Wells notes that although parodies of Shakespeare had appeared even in Shakespeare's lifetime, the heyday of Shakespearean burlesque was the Victorian era. Wells observes that the typical Victorian Shakespeare burlesque, quote, takes a Shakespeare play as its point of departure and creates from it a mainly comic entertainment, often in ways that bear no relation to the original play, end quote. Wells gives as an example of the puns in the texts the following. Macbeth and Banquo make their first entrance under an umbrella. The witches greet them with, Hail, hail, hail. Macbeth asks Banquo, What means these salutations, noble Thane? And is told, These showers of hail anticipate your reign. Musically, Shakespearean burlesques were as varied as the others of the genre. An 1859 burlesque of Romeo and Juliet contained 23 musical numbers some from opera, such as the serenade from Don Pasquale, and some from traditional airs and popular songs of the day, including Buffalo Gals and Nick's My Dolly. The dialogue for burlesques was generally written in rhyming couplets, or less often in other verse forms, such as blank verse. It was notable for its bad puns. According to Grove, Although, quote, an almost indispensable element of burlesque was the display of attractive women dressed in tights, often in travesty roles, the plays themselves did not normally tend to indecency, end quote. Some contemporary critics took a sterner view. In the 1885 article, the critic Thomas Hayward praised Planchet and Gilbert but wrote of the genre as a whole, quote, The flashy, leggy burlesque with its slangy songs, loudish breakdowns, vulgar jests, paltry puns, and witless grimacing at all that is graceful and poetic is simply odious. Burlesque, insensate, spiritless, and undiscriminating, demoralizes both the audience and its players. It debases the public taste, end quote. Gilbert expressed his own views on the worth of burlesque. The question whether burlesque has a claim to rank as art is, I think, one of degree. Bad burlesque is as far removed from true art as is a bad picture. But burlesque in its higher development calls for high intellectual power on the part of its professors. Aristophanes, Rabelais, George Cruikshank, the authors of The Rejected Addresses, John Leach, Planchet, were all in their respective lines professors of true burlesque, gender reversal, and female sexuality. Actresses in burlesque would often play breeches roles, which were male roles played by women. Likewise, men eventually began to play older female roles. These reversals allowed viewers to distance themselves from the morality of the play, focusing more on joy and entertainment than catharsis, 
a definitive shift away from neoclassical ideas. The depiction of female sexuality in Victorian burlesque was an example of the connection between women as performers and women as sexual objects in Victorian culture. Throughout the history of theater, the participation of women on stage has been questioned. Victorian culture, according to Buzek in 2012, viewed paid female performance as being closely associated with prostitution, quote, a profession in which most women in the theater dabbled, if not took on as a primary source of income, end quote. Gaiety Theater Burlesque became the specialty of London's Royal Strand Theater and Gaiety Theater from the 1860s to the early 1890s. In the 1860s and 1870s, burlesques were often one-act pieces running less than an hour and using pastiches and parodies of popular songs, opera arias, and other music that the audience would readily recognize. Nellie Farron starred as the Gaiety Theater's Principal Boy from 1868, and John d'Aubon choreographed the burlesques there from 1868 to 1891. Edward O'Connor Terry joined the theater in 1876. Early gaiety burlesques included Robert the Devil, the Bohemian G. Ural, and the Unapproachable Pole, Bluebeard, Ariel and Galatea, or Pygmalion Reversed. Beginning in the 1880s, when comedian writer Fred Leslie joined the gaiety, composers like Meyer Lutz and Osmond Carr contributed original music to the burlesques, which were extended to a full-length two- or three-act format. These later gaiety burlesques starred Farron and Leslie. They often included Leslie's libretti, written under his pseudonym A.C. Tor and were usually given an original score by Lutz. Little Jack Shepard, Monte Cristo Jr., Pretty Esmeralda, Frankenstein, or The Vampire's Victim, Mazeppa, and Faust up to date. Rui Blas and the Blasé Rue made fun of the play Rui Blas by Victor Hugo. The title was a pun, and the worse the pun, the more Victorian audiences were amused. The last gaiety burlesques were Carmen Up to Dada, Cinder Ellen Up Too Late, and Don Juan. In the early 1890s, Farron retired, Leslie died, and the musical burlesque went out of fashion in London, as the focus of the gaiety and other burlesque theaters changed to a new genre of Edwardian musical comedy. In 1896, Seymour Hicks declared that burlesque, quote, is dead as a doornail and will never be revived, end quote. From her retirement, Nellie Farron endorsed this judgment. Hey, still awake? 
If you like this podcast, please hit subscribe and leave a rating in your podcast app. The podcast is available under Creative Commons Attribution. This podcast is produced and edited by Schönlein Media, read by me, Rivka.